Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, Luke chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Him to hear Him. I like that. It says all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear Jesus. This scripture always wrecks me because I'm like, man, who, who, who is being attracted to, who is being impacted by, by what we teach? Because the next verse says, and the Pharisees and scribes complained. So I always kind of feel like that's it's the measure. You can't have one without the other. We, we, you can talk to, to Dr. Matt or ask any of the guys on the front row, Pastor Lance Williams will tell you that it's not a week that goes by where we don't have somebody. I was lost, I was broken, I was messed up, I was in rehab, I was overwhelmed, I was on the brink of uh, quitting, giving up on my life, my marriage was on the rocks, we were divorced, we were separated, and then this church, and then I walked into this house, and then the power of God, we, Hero the Rock musical, Twisted, Rady shit, like... But I love the fact that I'm always, always getting criticized by the religious people. You gotta know, you can tell a lot about a church by who's leaving it. You can tell a lot about a church by who's criticizing it. So I like the fact that we're upsetting the, the, the Pharisees and the, the scribes, but the, the people that are lost and broken are coming in. So then Jesus speaks a parable to them. A parable is a story. It's a story with, a, with an embedded meaning. That's what a parable means. And he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now, this scripture really is kind of like a foundational scripture. And as I was putting uh, this message together, I felt like it's a foundational scripture for my life, for my life. Uh, so you can't have a wonderful life without a wonderful God. You you cannot have a wonderful life without a wonderful God. It's the wonderful God that makes a wonderful life. The problem with religion, and you, you'll find that we actually always use religion in a negative context. We, it's, it's, it always has a, a, a negative aspect to it when we refer to religion here. Because re religion is something that you can do without God's engagement. Religion usually is man's own set of accoutrements and appeasements to try to please God. Jesus didn't die because he felt like the world needed another religion. In fact, Jesus died to do away with religion. The word religion is where we get the word regulations. Jesus came to take the regulations, the handwriting that was against us away so that we could have a, a relationship with God. God created you and I, He created Adam, He created man for fellowship, for relationship. He wanted, 
He wanted you because he wanted family. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost had such great love. They said, why don't we bring somebody else into the euphoria that is the Trinity? So he created man in his image and his likeness so that we could have fellowship with God. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died to restore relationship. So I wanna just give you, I wanna break down just these verses and just kind of give you five, five aspects of God that you might not have realized. Uh, I didn't grow up in church. My dad was, a, was an East German uh, atheist, really. He grew up in communism. Um, he ran across the minefield to get out of the East when after World War II, Germany was split in half and the Rus Russia, the uh, USSR, the United Socialist Soviet Republic got half of Germany. My dad, unfortunately, was only uh, four years of age. And so he had to live on that side. And uh, he became a soldier and was a guard on the wall. And he was told that he had to guard the wall because those capitalists, they want what we've got. They would love to line up for four hours on a Tuesday to get a loaf of bread and then another three or four hours on a Thursday to get a kilo of sausages. They want what we've got. And, uh, and he says the whole time he was a guard on the wall, nobody ever tried to break in, but every day people were trying to break out. And he was told that if someone was trying to break out, he should shoot them for wanting to leave. I'm like, and he's thinking, well, how good can it be then if people wanna leave and go there, but nobody from there wants to come in here. One day he said he's standing there at, at one of the, the, the uh, boundaries and a school teacher came down with her students from the West and they all came down and one of the students had a handful of candies because it was Easter and threw the candies over the, the wall to my dad's feet. And he was told by his supervisor not to pick them up they're probably laced with poison. But dad said he, he scoops them up because he'd never seen such exquisite colors in the. And so he pretended he had to tie up his shoelace and he picked one up and put it in his pocket. When he got home, he opened it and he thought, I might die. But he, and when he said when he tasted, he never tasted such delight, such confectionery. And then he thought, man, people would fight for this. We don't even produce this here. They produce it. And little children possess it and they don't just possess it, but they throw it over to complete strangers. Hang on, maybe I'm being lied to that communism, socialism, everybody starving together is the way. Maybe this, so he ran across a minefield. The problem with, with communism is communism has to attack God because it, it cannot allow human beings to worship something greater than the state. Worship something greater than human government. You can't have a God. That's why Hitler went after the church. Joseph Stalin went after the church. Karl Marx went after the church. The spirit in the world today goes after the church. It cannot handle the church. George Soros is putting funding out there to go after the, the church to try to shut down the voice of the church because when men want control, they don't want anything higher. They don't wanna be accountable to something higher. It is a dangerous thing when man is not accountable to something higher. Every corporation has to have a board because we recognize that the, 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 the default of man is corruption. So there has to be accountability to something greater than himself. And so my dad, even though he escaped from the East to the West, 
was still very, very broken, did not believe in God because he'd never been to church, never heard about God. So he just raised me like there was no God. But at 18 years of age, I, I tried everything the world told me to try that would make you happy, drugs, girls, booze, sex, all that kind of stuff. And I was still empty on the inside. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe it's sporting success and had a wetsuit sponsor called Piping Hot Wetsuits. And uh, why is that funny? Piping Hot Wetsuits. And uh, they, they said to me, if I can place or do well in, in, in a pro-am, that they would kind of upgrade my, my status on the team and they'd pay for my entry. And, and I just thought, maybe that's what I want to be. Maybe it'd be cool to be that. And so I heard about this Jesus program, Jesus program. And I thought, oh my gosh, a Jesus program? You've got to be kidding. No, 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 it's legit. I'm like, are Christians even allowed to surf? Like surfing's fun. And because the only Christian I knew was that there was a kid in my class at school called Carl. And Carl was really pale. And I'm trying to imagine Carl in a wetsuit. He was, he was pale and he had the mother of all Adam's apple. I mean, his Adam's apple was so big that I used to look at it in class thinking, I wonder if that really is Adam's apple. Like it was that, it was just, like it was just, he was really skinny, like really pale. You know, he, just whenever he would swallow, just his Adam's apple going up and down would create such a vacuum that it, it would suck little birds in the trees <laughs> into windows. It was like, when the surf was flat, you know, you could, you could kind of get him out the back, tread water and just get him to swallow and just his Adam's apple going up would create like a little three foot swell. Like it would just, so I'm trying to imagine, I'm trying to, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm gonna go in this competition, Lance. And you know, it's, it's the, all these Christians out there and they're like, you know, oh, you take this wave. Oh no, no, Roger, I had the last wave. Oh, no, 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 Roderick, no, you take it. No, no, darling, you. And, and I'll, I'll take it. And I'm just thinking, I'm just gonna take all the waves win the competition, get like a sponsorship deal. If you got a sponsorship deal, back then they didn't, you didn't get a sticker on, on your surfboard, they put a decal underneath the fiberglass. So you were the legit. So you walk down the beach and you're kind of like the cool thing. And you know, I'm thinking I'm gonna impress all the girls and you know, get some respect down here. You know, the, and so I'm Jesus, so I turn up with a Jesus Pro-Am. Well, there shouldn't have been any swell. There was a big fat high pressure system. It's the low pressure systems that make the surf. And it was a big high dominating for the last five days. And the surf was about maybe one foot the day before. So I took my leash off and just threw it in the trunk that we're going to walk down to the beach. They're going to say, there's no surf, competition's canceled. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, what a bummer that's going to be. But as we're walking down, I hear, I'm thinking this, oh, it's got to be the wind just playing tricks on my ears. We get down and the surf is like double overhead. And there's this guy, he's just shredding on his backhand and, uh, does a big kind of closeout re-entry, comes running up the beach and picks up the microphone and says, hey guys, you know, God's bless us with a massive swell, but it's pretty big out there. Let's pray the Lord drops it off so the grommets don't drown. The grommet is like a, like a kid that's, you know, 12, 13 is a little grommet. And so I'm laughing, thinking there's no way this guy's a Christian. Look at him. He's got bleach blonde hair and, you know, muscles and he's bronze and he can't be a Christian. He, he looks nothing like Carl. Look at his Adam's apple. That's not a legitimate Christian. So I'm thinking, for real, I'm thinking that, you know, the, the Christians had left the microphone unguarded and he got it up and he's mocking them. But the next time I'm watching and there's about 30 or 40 people, they gather together and all bow their head and they start praying. 
And I'm looking at this swell. This is a massive swell. I'm like, this, does, this swell doesn't decrease just because you speak a few words into the sky. It, wrong again. Right in front of my eyes, the wind turns around, goes offshore, and over the next hour, it, dropped, it starts dropping out. And they're like, pray the Lord, pray the Lord. You know, on the beach. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. It's just, a, it's just a coincidence. This is a groundswell, baby. And groundswell is as quickly as they come up, they drop off. You know, probably by sunset tonight, it'll be dead flat again. Well, I was wrong again. It just, it was like four to five feet the whole weekend, the long weekend. And God got my attention. Well, I get to the quarterfinals. I made it all the way to the finals, but I remember in the quarterfinals, I'm stretching. You've got 20 minutes, you're allowed a maximum of 10 rides, the top four count, and I'm, I'm looking where the rips are, and I'm rights, lefts, and putting a strategy together. And I look, and there was a guy, to this day, nobody, nobody claims ownership of this man. The Christian surfers deny any association with this man. But he has two things. He has a Bible, and he has a megaphone. And he's, and he's, and he's walking, and, and his, it wasn't just an ordinary Bible. I mean, it was the biggest Bible I'd ever seen. Like I'm looking at that Bible thinking all the little Bibles came from that Bible. That's the mama Bible and all our, as the little baby Bibles that came. Like it was the biggest Bible I've ever seen. And, and he's walking up and he's got the, the, the loud hailer and he's just like, you're going to hell, boy. And he, he was just like, he was literally preaching hell, fire and brimstone at anybody that, that would move. Like he's just yelling, you know, you know, if it moved, he's preaching to it. If it didn't move, he'd kick it and then yell at it while it was, there's a little dead seagull. And he, you go to hell, seagull. And you know, anyway, he's, I'm sitting there, I'm stretching and I see him coming like, oh my gosh, an idiot. I made eye contact with him and he just, his eyes just, and he's just thinking victim, 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 you know, and he just zeroes in for me. So I quickly reached into my bag and I, this is gonna age me. I had a Sony Walkman. So I pulled out a cassette, a cassette tape, put it in, made sure I had the right side because if you put it in, it's all, you know, you got to, anyway, and so I put it in and it's, it was, it was Akadaka, ACDC, you know, Hell's Bells. And so he comes up and he just starts yelling, you know, stuff from here about me going to hell or repent, you filthy sinner or something like that. And so I turned the volume up so loud that I couldn't hear him. I just but all I could hear was hell's bells. And, uh, and he's, he's just yelling away and I'm just kind of like listening to my hell's bells. As clear as, as I'm speaking to you now, a voice says, Jürgen, what he is saying is truth. The voice was right here. And I turn around and there's nobody there. And I'm like, oh, just, I'm glad I'm wearing a wetsuit. No, because that's how you stay warm. That's how you stay warm in the water when the water is cold. Only a surfer knows the feeling. That's a sticker, you'll see it. So anyway, so I end up coming fourth in the competition and the guy who won shares his story about how he Grew up in a home where his dad was the local pastor and he was always bullied at school as the pastor's kid. So he said at 18, he couldn't wait to get out of home, move out of home and get away from, you know, his family. And then he made this statement. He said, yeah, and if you're ever trying to run away from God, whatever you do, don't become a carpenter because he became a, carp became a carpenter. 
So I said to my friend, Jim, who you know, ended up leading me to Christ, I said, Jim, what's wrong with being a carpenter? He goes, Jesus was a carpenter. And I'm like, blank. He's like, just, he's like really? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, oh man, you know, God. And so, so he becomes a carpenter. And then he starts telling this story about how he has this radical encounter with God. And I'm like, hang on, my dad told me there was no God, but look at his life, his life is. And so then he gives an appeal and he says, if there's anybody here and you've never surrendered to God, You've never given your life to God. You've tried drugs, you've tried booze, you've tried using people and you're still empty on the inside. And then this voice again, but this time it was so gentle, whispered, said, he's talking about you. And I knew. And so true story, I lifted my hand and I, he led me in a prayer. And when I, when I prayed the prayer, when I opened my eyes, the whole world was different. Like every, every tree, every branch, every blade of grass was still in the same spot. The only way I could describe it was like I had awoken from a dream. Hence the name Awaken Church. It was like, the only way I could describe it was like up and, because I didn't understand born again. I'd never, I'd never been to church, never read the Bible. But, but one minute I close my eyes, I pray a prayer asking Jesus to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me. And when I open my eyes, everything, it was like everything came alive. I could hear the birds. And I remember as we were driving home, the sun was setting and I had in, in my heart here, I had this peace and this warmth. And I remember I tried LSD and I tried marijuana, I tried all this stuff and it gave me a momentarily high here, but it never lasted. The next day it was gone. Days later it would, would wear off and I, I would be back to the same problems. In fact, the problems got worse, not better. You know. It, Drugs is you start doing drugs, but after a while, drugs start doing you. And, uh, and I just thought there's got to be more to life. And then all of a sudden I had this peace and this warmth and it was just so beautiful. And then my, my friend, because uh, I made a commitment to God, I said, God, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life, but I'm never going to church and I'm never reading the Bible. <laughs> you can see how that worked out. Oh, really? You're going to be a pastor. Anyone else with a smart aleck comment down there? It was like... So, so my, so my friend, he had this, he had this, he had this quote, and I didn't realize it wasn't in the Bible, but it was, you know, he had this quote, and he got it laminated, and he gave it to me. It was like a gift. Now that I'd become a Christian, and and it just had a, it just it was a statement. It said, uh, a, a man asked of Jesus, Jesus, how much do you love me? And Jesus replied, I love you this much. And he stretched out his hands, and died. And it so rocked me. And he gave it to me. And so I, I pinned it on the wall right next to my pillow. And because my, my dad was so broken, he didn't know how to love because he had never been loved. And so all of a sudden I began to experience the love of God. And then Jim, my friend who led me to Christ, gave me a Bible. And one of the first passages of scripture I read was this, Luke 15. And as I read Luke 15, I thought, oh my gosh, this encapsulates my story. So in the few minutes we have left, I'm going to give you five points. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. thought this was a house of faith, Dr. Matt. All right, number one. Thank you. Have a look at verse four. Number one, verse four. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Point number one, God is a 100% God. God is a 100% God. See, the, the, the religious guys, they, you know, they're complaining. And Jesus said, all right, hey guys, 
which of you having a hundred sheep? Because they back then you didn't just have money in a bank account. You, you had a stock portfolio and it literally was stock. It was sheep, it was oxen, cattle. That's how you had wealth. Your wealth was how, and so yeah, we've got a hundred sheep. I've got 200 sheep, you know. He says, which man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses one of them? And they're all like, well, how, how can you tell? If, if you look out, 99 looks like a hundred. I can't, but, he, but Jesus saying, not God, not God. God notices when there's one missing. You may not notice when one is missing, but God notices when there's one missing. God is a 100% God. He, he, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You, you may say, well, you know what? 99% of people going to heaven, it's still, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. God's not willing that any should perish. This is what I found about God is that God, whatever I've held back from God, see, I got saved, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. JD 1986, January, I gave my life to Jesus. And if you, if you said to me, did you give all your life? I'd say, yeah, yeah, duh. Gave them all my life. I was instantly born again, instantly forgiven. Instantly, heaven was my home. God was my family. All my sins were forgiven. I would have said to you, gave my life to Jesus. He gave me heaven, eternal life, forgiveness, salvation. He gave me. But then... He also gave me the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and He's so beautiful. And that's why, you know, Dr. Matt's right on the money. That's why we do discipleship because the Holy Spirit comes and says, Yerks, you haven't really given everything, have you? I'm like, what do you mean? It's like this area. I'm like, oh, I didn't want you to see that. That's mine. It's my precious. And I realised... I realized that there were areas of my life that I, well, I want to go to, I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not sure I can trust God with girls. Because somebody told me, you know, whatever you do, don't tell God that you find somebody unattractive because God will make you marry them. <laughs> no, for real. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. They, they told me, they told me, Gail, they said, you know, and whatever you do, don't tell God you don't want to go somewhere because that's where I'll send you. So I'm like, ah, 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 I love Ethiopia. I love it. I love outer Mongolia. Yippee. But this is what I discovered. I discovered that any area that I held back from God, I held back from His blessing. I held back from His benevolence. I held back from His kindness. I gotta tell you, discipleship is you get saved and absolutely God is so good in the covenant. That's what salvation is. God gives you 100% of everything that He's got. Where the greedy little gets that we hold back because we don't trust Him. And salvation is the Holy Spirit with great leaders saying, hey, you're not trusting God in your areas of finance. Man, don't you wanna bring your tithe, God will open the windows of heaven, pour out such blessing and He'll rebuke the devout. Every area that I held back, I held back from His blessing. Every area that I held back was steeped in dysfunction. Discipleship is the enabling and the teaching of people to trust God. He's a 100% God. I've discovered this in my life that everything that I've given to God has flourished. I mean, relationships shut the gate. I'm married to Leanne. Does it get any better than that? Like when God made Eve, 
She was just the beta model. She was like the test pilot. And God's like, yeah, not, not bad. I'll get it right with Leanne. I get to do life with the most amazing people. Like when you give your life to God, don't hold anything back. Anything you hold back, you hold back to your detriment. He's the 100% God. Second thing, it says that he, he lives in the wilderness and goes after the one which is lost until he finds it. So number two, that tells me that he's relentless. His love is relentless. You, how many people can remember the Terminator, you know, with the governor, the governor Schwarzenegger. Get in the chopper, there's a bomb in there. Sarah Connor, I'd like to see her, I'm a friend. So, so the story goes that in the, in the future, uh, the Terminators, you know, the, the droids, the machines, the IT are ruling the planet and there's just a, you know, fierce resistance fighter, John Connor. And John Connor, they realize that John Connor, he's the guy that, you know, is overthrowing the, the, the agenda of, of the, the machines. And if they could go back in time and wipe out the mama, Sarah Connor, then John Connor will never be and the machines can rule the world. That's the whole thing. And so, you know, the Terminator... <laughs> You know, nice night for walk. <laughs> Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean. You close, give them to me now. And so it's this awesome story. But then there's another guy who comes back, Reese. And, and he comes back, but he comes back because he loves it. It's all a bit weird. Anyway, he comes back. And so, so, she, so Sarah bites Reese because he had to find and, and, you know, and he shoots the Terminator and boom, 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 and gets up. And just and said, so, "What the? You know, they're running." And, uh, and so he's trying to Reese is trying to explain to Sarah that the Terminator doesn't feel pain. I do. He says he can't be dealt with. He can't be bargained with. He will not stop. He will not stop until you're dead. Do you understand me? And he's communicating to her that this Terminator has an assignment to go after her until his assignment. That's probably the closest way to describe God's love for you. He is determined. You may run from Him. You may hide from Him. But there's no place you can hide where He won't find you. I had a girl in my youth group and I did a terrible job in the nine. So please post the 11 because I did a terrible job with the Kiwi accent. But, but um, I had a girl in my youth group who moved to England. She, she grew up in a home. Mom and dad were very kind of religious and strict. And they kind of communicated that God is like the killjoy in the sky. That, you know, God created man so he had somebody that finally he could make follow his rules. And he had lots of them. And they were very suffocating. And so she was like, I, I, you know, she would come to youth group, but she didn't really want to be there. So she leaves and she gets a job in England. And so she, you know, she get, tells me, she goes, oh, Pastor, you can, I went to England to um, get away from God. And, um, and so she, that's what she, she went to England to get away from God is the translation. So, <laughs> but about a year and a half later, she comes back from England and, uh, and she's on fire. And I'm like, what happened? She goes, well, we, we don't got there. Um, I, needed to, I needed a place to stay. So I went flitting, which is flatting, which means you're sharing accommodation with two other people. And she goes, it's quite expensive. It's quite expensive. And so she said, um, so I put an id, which is an ad, in the paper. And <laughs> she gets this accommodation only to find her two flatmates are Christians that go to church. So she's like, I'm trying to get away from God. She goes, and Pastor Hugo, I was trying to get away from God. Hey, 
And so she goes, and so then, so then I, you know, applied for all these jobs and I got hired and it was like my dream job only to find that the person that hired me was a Christian. And I'm like, God's everywhere. And I'm like, yes, he is everywhere. And so, so she was trying to run from him, but he was relentlessly pursuing her. I want you to know it's no coincidence that you're here today. You're here today because this God will not quit. He will not stop. He is relentless to your last breath. And even on your last breath, there'll be a nurse, there'll be a doctor, there'll be somebody that will come in that will be with you to remind you that He loves you and He is not satisfied with 99%. If you're missing, it's not complete. He wants you in His family. At the end of this message, we're gonna open the altar. And if you have never experienced the love of God, you're gonna get to do that today. Number three, not only is He relentless, but He's also an elevator because have a look at this verse 5 says and when he has found it and when he has found it have a look what it says it says and when he has found it he lays his boot into it (laughs) hang on it doesn't say that hang on and when he has found it he lays his boot into it and says you stupid sheep look at you you filthy and you blue think you're better than the rest of you wander off into your own thing what are you little explorer sheep what's the matter sheep too good for your home Sorry, hang on, it doesn't say that at all. I'm, I must have gone on a rant, what happened? But that's how, that's how most people think God is. Most people think that God is the mighty smiter in the sky. He's looking for an opportunity to smite people. Michael, there's gotta be someone that's transgressed that I can smite. <laughs> but look what it says. It says, when he has found it, when he finds it, he doesn't rub its face in its, yeah, you'd like that, here's some more. He doesn't rub its face in its sin. It's probably dirty and bleeding. When he has found it, the Bible says he picks it up, puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Pastor Jürgen, he's got to wash it first. It's probably dirty and covered in blood. He picks it up and puts it on his shoulders. No, 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 no. He's got, he, would, he, would, he would have wiped it down. He picks it up, puts it on his shoulders. The blood and the filth on his garments. On the cross, my, my filth. My, he shed his blood on the cross to redeem me. He took my sin upon him. He loves you more than your sin. That's why on the cross, he became sin so he could rescue you from your sin. He could deliver you from all unrighteousness so you could experience his love. And the Bible says that he, he doesn't just find the sheep and then shoo it. He doesn't find the sheep and take the rod and the staff and whip it back. The Bible says he picks the sheep up and he carries it. Because this is what I've discovered that when you get away from God, there are so many people that are so steeped in drugs or alcohol or hopelessness 
hopelessness or helplessness. They don't even know which direction. They don't even know the way back. So you know what God says? Hey, I'm not even gonna risk you trying to find your own way back. I'm gonna pick you up. I'm gonna put you on my shoulders and I'm gonna carry you. I'll carry you to your destiny. I'll carry you to greatness. I'll carry you back to your mission, to your assignment, to your purpose, to your potential, to the dream that I had before you were even born. Before I needed you in the womb, I knew you and I had a plan for you. I'll carry you back to the family. So he's an elevator. Not only is he an elevator, but look at this. Look at the next verse, verse six. It says, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep. He's a celebrator. Number four, he's a celebrator. I mean, right now you'd be thinking something's wrong. The phone rings and, and the wife answers. And she's like, okay, hang on, wait. Ken, it's for you. Oh, who is it, love? It's Bob, our neighbour. What's he want? He's throwing a party. Party? Bob, is it your birthday? No. Your anniversary? No. Oh, what's the party for? Bob's on the other. My sheep, which was lost, is found. I think he's been drinking again. <laughs> Who throws his party for a sheep that was lost and is found? God does. God is so smitten by you. God is so besotted by you that when you come back, He throws a party. When you come back to Him, all of heaven throws a party because He rejoices over you. See, many years ago, we, we, were, we were living in New Zealand and uh, my, my eldest son, Jordan, was just, just a little tyke and we took him to like a McDonald's it was called Georgie Pie and it's pies, but it's, and they have a playground. And so he's playing in the playground. They had slide and it goes into these little colorful balls. And uh, there's a little kid in there. He had a suit and he was like maybe three or four and he had a suit on with a little tie. And I'm like, man, you're kind of dressed up to be playing in a playground. And so he goes, yeah, we would just come from church. I said, oh, which church do you go to? Oh, the Kingdom Hall. He was a Jehovah's Witness. I said, oh my gosh, you're a little Jehovah's Witness. He said, jeez. And then he said that, uh, you know, it was his, his little brother's birthday. And I said, oh, happy birthday. Did you get some presents? He goes, oh, no, no. No, because we Jehovah's Witnesses and um, nobody's allowed to be more important than Jehovah. And I said, oh my gosh, what a mean God. I said, are you trying to tell me he's so threatened by you getting a little present? They go, yes, but, but, you know, and then the, the, the older brother, he was like 10, comes over and he goes, yes, no, but it says in the Bible that, you know, there's only two mentions of birthdays and both of them something bad happened. So, you know, when, when Herod had a birthday, had a celebration, and then John the Baptist gets beheaded. I'm like, oh my gosh. Two mentions of birthdays in the Bible, neither of them are good. Are the Jehovah's Witnesses right? And then the Holy Spirit said to me, look at their hair. I'm like, well, 
It's quite well cut. And he says, there's only ever one mention in the Bible of haircuts. I said, you guys get your hair cut? He says, yeah, yes, yes, because we're not allowed to grow long hair because the Bible says long hair is a shame for a man. I said, okay. I said, um, do you know there's only one mention of a haircut in the Bible? Caused a man to get his eyes gouged out of his head. Grind corn for the Philistines. I don't know why I told this story. I didn't tell it in the nine, did I? I think Dr. Matt put something in my water, if I was honest with you. I say all of that to say this, that I'm trying to redeem myself right now. I'm so far out. Leanne says, you know, you're a great preacher if you just didn't go on these tangents. And right now I'm on one of those tangents that my wife warns me about. But the reason I told that story is because in this church, we happily take the criticism of the Pharisees and the scribes that, oh my gosh, at Awakened Church, they're always having fun. There's always a party. There's always an event. They're always, they, look at them. They're always smiling and laughing. They can't be Christian. Your life is worth celebrating. Your life is worth celebrating. Can I just tell you, honestly, wealth, wealth is the amount of people that celebrate His birth. Wealth is the amount of people that celebrate happy birthday. Man, how much better is the world that you're born into it? If the Bible says, if God rejoices over one sheep which is lost and is found, He calls together His friends and neighbours saying, rejoice with me, my sheep which was lost is found. Likewise, Jesus said, I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99. The last one, number five, is He's the God of more joy. He says, there'll be more joy in heaven. Heaven is the source of more joy. In the earth, I used to, you know, smoke leaves that were dead and dried, rolled up in a joint, thinking joy joint. Is there a little correlation here? But it was so temporal. Jesus says, there's more joy in heaven. I used to smoke, I used to drink, I used to do all of that stuff. But when I found the more joy, shut the gate the more joy. I don't need to, to ingest stuff that gave its life that's dead because somebody gave His life so that I could enter into heavenly more joy. Come on, we're out of time. Let's stand to our feet. I want you just to, to, to lift your hands high to heaven. We don't know how to do religion in Awaken. We, we don't because I, I didn't grow up with it. But I had an encounter with God that changed my life. 37 years ago on a beach on the south coast of Australia had an encounter with God that changed my life I didn't meet religion I met Him I met the Saviour I met Jesus I didn't meet a religious Jesus I met a Saviour Jesus I met a deliverer Jesus I met a hero Jesus I met a Jesus who came down clothed Himself in flesh and blood and was nailed to the cross after living a perfect life and He took my sin upon Himself and He gave me His perfection he delivered me from every chain of darkness. He's walked with me through every valley. He lifts my head in battle. He's a restorer of hope, a restorer of vision, a restorer. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, today I come to You and I surrender my life. 
Lord Jesus, fill me with your love. I want to experience more joy. I need you. Thank you that when you died on the cross, you canceled out all my sin. Today, I am forgiven, cleansed, healed, renewed, born again in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.